Hello, my name is Emily Jansen, and this is the Leadership is Female podcast. I'm a female leader in sports. I'm the general manager of a AAA baseball team in minor league baseball, and I'm the first woman to hold this title in nearly 20 years. And I'm here with the Leadership is Female podcast to make sure that this amount of time never goes by again before another woman leads. Marion Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. So I am here to interview successful women in sport to uncover opportunity, learn the tips, learn from our mistakes, learn from our successes to get you to the top faster. Join me and my guests week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. I will lead her forward because leadership is female. Wow, you guys, I am so excited to bring you the interview today with Anne Marbarger. We talk all about her nonlinear path to being the executive director of Padres Petal Cause in San Diego, California. This woman is incredible, and man, does she bring the fire in this interview. We talk about promotion, we talk about tackling yourself and your own personal hurdles. We talk about having babies. We talk about it all and she does it with grace and excellence and I can't wait for you to listen. So settle on in and let's hear from Anne Marbarger on the Leadership is Female podcast. Welcome to the Leadership is Female podcast. Today we have Anne Marbarger, who is the executive director of Padres Pedal the Cause in San Diego, an organization committed to accelerating cures for cancer by funding collaborative cancer research in San Diego. She leads a small team responsible for underwriting the organization's $1.5 million operating budget, building corporate and community partnerships to recruit 3,000 plus fundraisers and volunteers and executing annual events to drive fundraising and participation. 2019 was the organization's most successful year with over 3.1 million raised for cancer research on top of the $1.5 million operating budget. Way to go, Anne and team. Anne joined Pedal the Cause in June of 2015 as director of programs and was promoted to to lead the organization the following year. Through team efforts and under her leadership, the organization has increased participation by 15 to 25% annually, increased the total donation to cancer research by 5 to 20% annually, and the organization is proud to donate 100% of fundraising dollars to Padre Petals for beneficiaries. Moore's Cancer Center at UC San Diego Health, the Salk Institute, Sanford, Burnham, Prabies, and Rady Children's Hospital. Prior to joining Pedal the Cause, and worked in management consulting for four years in Washington, D.C. with Deloitte's Consulting Federal Human Capital Practice. Earlier in her career, she served as an intelligence analyst for the United States Treasury Department for four years where she focused on a major Middle East terrorist organization's illicit funding sources and use of the U.S. financial system. She holds a bachelor's degree in government from Dartmouth College and an MBA from George Washington University. Anne has a passion for health and fitness and enjoys running, cycling, hot yoga, and outdoor adventure. She played D1 soccer in college and was sponsored long-distance runner and an Ironman triathlete. Anne currently lives in North Park, community of San Diego with her husband, Scott, and three-year-old daughter and one-year-old son, and a rescue dog. Holy cow, Anne, what a bio. 
Uh, welcome to the Leadership is Female podcast, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm really excited to get to share my story and get to know you better. Wonderful. So I want to start out, um, if you can tell our listeners, I know I read your super incredible bio, um, but if you can tell our listeners who you are, what you do, how you got there to run a charitable organization in partnership with the Major League Baseball San Diego Padres and your very nonlinear path uh, that I described in your bio to, to be the executive director for Padres Pedal the Cause. Sure. I think very nonlinear is a nice way to put a seemingly random collection of professions, but uh, there is a story there. And I think, so who I am is um, an executive profit, uh, a mom and an athlete. And um, so professionally, uh, my role is to lead a small team uh, for the whole purpose of raising money for cancer research in San Diego. Um, and we do that by putting on a pretty um, special peer-to-peer -peer fundraising event at Petco Park with the San Diego Padres, um, where, we, where we recruit thousands of people to ride a bike, to spin class, to a 5K walk run, and everyone who registers commits to raise money for cancer research. And so that's mostly what our, our business model is, and I can get back to that a little bit. Um, but that is my profession, and I've been doing that for about five years now. Um, I mentioned that I'm also a mom and, a, and an athlete, and both of those aspects of my life are, are woven throughout my career and certainly will define my future career um, options. But as an athlete, you touched on um, my background, Emily, growing up, I lived for the soccer field and the soccer ball, and um, I played in college and then actually professionally overseas in Iceland for a season. Um, and then I got into long distance running in triathlon, and I was a spin instructor um, and a certified triathlon coach on the side. And trying to figure out, you know, that's at the time I was working at the treasury department as an Intel analyst and studying terrorist financing during the day. And then I would go teach these spin classes at night and people would get off the bike and they would say, oh my gosh, you know, you inspired me so much. I'm doing my first triathlon or I'm doing my first marathon this weekend or my first 5k even. And I found that so rewarding and inspiring and gratifying. And it was kind of hard to reconcile. Like professionally, I was trying to change foreign policy by preventing terrorist organizations from having money. And then in the evening, I'm inspiring one individual person to push their, um, push their, I guess, boundaries and dare to achieve more than they thought they could. And I thought that was really cool. And so I figured I have to do something to get into that health and wellness space. I didn't know what to do. Um, and so I went to business school and then I went to Deloitte Consulting, and the segue there is I had worked in the federal government, so um, I was recruited to go to Deloitte Consulting and help other federal government um, organizations improve their performance. The common thread there is, I guess, federal government and performance, how do you improve? And then I, I realized that I needed to do something more local with a less bureaucracy and a more direct impact and got this opportunity with Pedal Cause really because I kept in touch with the founder and his wife whose kids I babysat growing up. Um, so I was living in DC. I called him for mentoring. And he knew I wanted to get into health and wellness. He knew I had a management consulting background and he was like, you should move to San Diego. And I was like, well, what am I going to do? And he said, we need help with Pedal. So that was five years ago. Awesome decision. Um, great organization and um, really happy to be after. 
That's incredible. And I want to emphasize that Anne said she kept in touch. So her and I both, both share that in our career trajectory. We currently both occupy the roles that we have because we kept in touch. So think about how you can do that in your career and uh, what that might look like for you. And you never know uh, what opportunity might uh, reveal itself in the future. So, wow, what a background, Anne. And um, thank you for, for outlining all of that for us. And so I'd love to know, as the executive director of Padres Pedal, um, what is your day-to-day, event-to-event, um, what do those responsibilities look like for you in your role? Day-to-day is, um, is really exciting. Each day is different, and that's something that I very much sought out. Um, we're a nimble, small organization of four full-time employees right now. We've had five in the past at times. Right now, we're at four, um, and we report directly to a board of directors. So I think in an upward sense, my job is to manage and work with the board of directors to outline our high-level goals, um, and then internally, I manage our staff of four people. Um, as I kind of mentioned before, our whole model over the past, we, Padres Pedal has been around for seven years, and I've been with the organization for five. And it's, um, it's been pretty measurable and cyclical in that we have one major flagship event every year. It's a peer-to-peer fundraiser. And so the three metrics that we really drive towards are, our end-all be-all is how much money are we donating to cancer research every single year? And that's really also a function of two other metrics that we drive towards. And one of them is underwriting our annual budget. So um, we make the pledge to donate 100% of every individual fundraiser's dollars to the mission. We don't take a cut of that. So Emily, if I were to ask you for a donation when I'm registered and fundraising for Pedal, I could tell you 100% of what you give is going to cancer research. We're not taking a cut. And so the way we do that is, is um, mostly through corporate sponsorship, but also through a a couple other revenue channels to underwrite that $1.5 million budget. Um, The third metric is how many participants we're able to recruit to actually fundraise. And so what I love about this job is that there is zero bureaucracy. Um, There is tons of white space to innovate and create and think outside the box of what are the keys to success, what motivates our participants. Obviously, it's around the impact they're having on cancer research, but um, we discovered, you know, one of the things that I noticed very early on is that people like to participate in a team. And so last year we had 2,964 participants, and I would say about 98% of those people were, were registered on a team. So for example, um, a big company in town is Thermo Fisher Science in San Diego. So they had um, a team captain internally and they put a little bit of budget behind it so that employees within Thermo Fisher sign up for that team and they all ride together. They had about 150 people on their team. And then we also have friends and families teams. Um, One of them is called the Straight Arrow Cycling Club and David Osias, the captain, he started it because his wife Jeanette was going through a pretty brutal um, treatment plan for colon cancer and she's doing great now. Um, but it's, it's deeply emotional and it's deeply impactful. And so part of my job is to figure out like, what motivates people, how do we communicate back so that they are inspired and rewarded by the impact that they're having? How do we create a positive impression of this organization in everything we do? So 
Um, it's not just the main event at Petco Park, which is amazing. I know you're in baseball, which is awesome, and you've probably been to Petco Park. Um, the event, if you participate, you ride your bike in or you run in the outfield, the left field tunnel, and you cross the finish line in the middle of center field in this beautiful Major League Baseball stadium. Um, but it's not just the event. Everything woven throughout it is accelerating pure cancer. And who do you ride for and who do you walk for? Um, so identifying that team component was really critical and we identified different ways to leverage that. Um, other things that we do though are, so for example, you know, now we're in the middle of a major pandemic where we can't go to corporations and give these lunch and learn presentations to recruit participants. So how do we connect, which is a point you emphasize too, how do we stay connected with our fundraisers and donors and participants? And so um, we just came up with a brand new program. One of them is called Grocery for Good, where we're actually working with the Padres volunteer team to purchase groceries at a local grocery store um, and deliver those to cancer patients so they don't have to leave their house because they're usually immunocompromised right now because of their treatment plan. Many of them are facing um, financial hardship. So we just created this program to try and stay relevant and connected and help people. Um, another one is we're going to be launching these webinars where we're um, the beauty of everyone being stuck at home and constantly on Zoom calls is that we can we can stay connected with our scientists and just um, funded a recent round of grants and we're going to be um, hosting three webinars to spotlight some of those individual research teams that we funded and actually give our donors and participants a chance to hear directly from the researchers about um, what is their research exploring? How is that going to change the way that people who are currently being diagnosed with cancer um, uh, are treated and cared for? And so kind of a long description, but I hope that um, the takeaways from that are that every day is different, that there's tons of room to innovate and, um, and uh, connect with the community. And it's a really exciting job. I love that. Thank you for sharing and thank you for what you do. Um, cancer research is so important. Um, I don't know a person who cancer has not touched in some way by someone that they know. Um, and so I am very grateful uh, to you for, for leading this cause um, and leading, leading the path to raise so much money to hopefully find a cure for this horrible, horrible disease. You're welcome. Yeah, it's something that touches all of us, and uh, it's it's nice to to know making some sort of a difference. You are one hundred percent. So, I wanted to to ask you if you can identify the tipping point in securing your role as an executive director in leading um, such a a dynamic team and such an interesting and um, widespread fundraiser in the big city of San Diego. Um, tell us, uh, what was the tipping point to really make that happen? Yeah, so I'm going to share that there are actually two tipping points. And I think the first tipping point was me um, creating the opportunity and making the decision to leave a job at Deloitte Consulting, which was a company that most people in the world have heard about, um, and agreeing to leave Washington, D.C. and that, you know, very clear career path and, and come to take a job at a nonprofit that had four employees that, that most people had not heard of. Um, and, and then the second tipping point is once I hear, how did I, how did I um, ultimately get the opportunity to become the executive director? 
So the first tipping point was um, really about pursuing my passions and keeping in contact with people who have who know you and have the opportunity to open doors. And I think it, it was a quint, uh, kind of a nice the coming together of luck and opportunity and preparation. And so um, growing up in St. Louis, I loved little kids and I loved to babysit. And there was a family that lived across the street um, that had three little girls and I just had to figure out a way to babysit them. Um, and so I, I got the opportunity and their names, the parents' names were Amy and Bill Komen. They, um, awesome people, uh, Bill was in commercial real estate development. Amy was the super fit mom that was so into her kids. And when I would babysit for them, it wasn't just babysitting. They would take running with them. I would go to boot camp. I traveled with them. And they were really mentors um, and leaders that I looked up to. And I always stayed in touch with them. Um, fast forward a few years and Bill got lymphoma and his kids were little. And they treated it with chemo and went away. And then it came back. And at that time, I think this is about 12 years ago a reoccurrence of that type of lymphoma was really not good. And so they pursued a really aggressive treatment plan. And um, I, he almost didn't make it, and he did. And that's why he created Pedal the Cause to give back to research. So meanwhile, I was in college, I was working in DC, and I always stayed in touch with them when I would come home on the weekends and for Thanksgiving and things. And so um, just because I thought they were good people and I liked them, and um, they were so successful, and I kind of wanted to be like them. And so when I was in DC, I was trying to figure out how to pivot away from my management consulting role into something that was focused on health and wellness that would have a direct impact on the community and patient lives and would allow me to continue to grow in my career. And I was willing to settle on none of those three aspects. And so I called Bill for mentoring. I really didn't even know of Pedal the Cause. And he said, you should move out here, we need help. And I asked a few more questions before I like, pretty quickly booked a plane ride out here to explore San Diego and see what I was getting into. Um, and I think that was a tipping point because Bill had seen how I would come to his house and uh, Amy and Bill and do my homework, study super hard, apply for college applications, go to soccer practice. Everything was about performance and improvement and being as good as I could. And so I think when Bill had that opportunity to kind of roll the dice on me for him, it wasn't, you know, I, had, I, I didn't have any nonprofit experience. I hadn't been in fundraising. But he, he trusted me and um, it was a good fit. And so I said yes and so did he. And, um, and so then once I got here, I guess leading up to tipping point number two, um, it was like totally startup environment. Like I came from, you know, at Deloitte where we would have meetings to talk about agendas for other meetings. And when I came here, there was no position description. There was no consistent staff meeting. There was no strategic plan. Oh my gosh, that was like, holy cow, what, a, you know, where are we going with this? And, um, and so there was so much opportunity to bring um, innovation and structure and process and like transformation, which were things that like professionally and analytically really excited me. And so I just like rolled my sleeves up. And I remember like working on PowerPoints at like two in the morning um, because I really cared about those and I wanted to get it back to Bill the next day. And I think there was a little bit of like an irony of that, of like coming from DC where you in the consulting world, you have to report all of your hours because they're um, utilization and it's very measurable. And I, I remember thinking like, wow, I'm probably working more hours here for the cause, but it's not being measured and it's not being reported necessarily. It, it's being measured by like our ultimate outcomes of like how much money we're raising for cancer, how many people are we are recruiting to participate and are we able to underwrite this budget? And so I 
poured myself into it and I walked the walk and we demonstrated results and um, built really strong relationships with the community of um, the board members, um, the beneficiaries. And, and so I think um, it, it was about a year and a half later when I was promoted to the executive director role. I was pregnant, no one knew. Uh, it was a board that had one woman at the time, eight other men. And I was like, I've got this chance. I'm like, oh my God, I'm supposed to say something. No way. Um, I've got this. There was no real maternity policy. Like I had to figure out what that was. And, and I had to figure out how to be successful as a first year executive director, knowing a baby was coming six months later. And then I lived and breathed for, for the organization. So I think that second tipping point came because I had demonstrated results um, and, and kind of walked the walk and earned that opportunity. That's awesome. Um, I would love to ask you a follow-up question about announcing your pregnancy in a company without a maternity leave um, after you had just received a promotion. What did that look like for you? And then um, what type of plan did you create to successfully navigate um, welcoming your first child into the world? Yeah, so um, the details here are I got married in August of 2016. We had our first event called Padres Pedal the Cause. We had been Pedal the Cause for a few years. And so we became Padres Pedal in November of 2016. And every, every aspect about our organ, organization changed except where our money went. So the, the logo and the branding changed, the location of the event changed, the courses and the routes changed, everything changed that fall. And um, that was in November. I was pregnant at the time. I got pregnant, I think in September. And so I threw the event and it was, we doubled participation that year as our first year of Padres Pedal. And we under, uh, underwrote the budget for the first time that year. And we raised, I think it was 2 million that year up from 1.3 the year before. And then it was December when the board was going to vote. And so um, I, my pregnancy was like fine and you couldn't tell. Um, and so they made, they voted me in as executive director. I kind of got through the year end holiday and then I was like, okay, how am I gonna, what's my plan for this? And I think the whole description before of what is this environment that I'm in, it's like, it's results driven, it's innovative, it's entrepreneurial. Like it is my opportunity to create how I'm going to be a successful professional and now mom in this environment. And I um, just was like, it's, it's happening. If I have to take a short maternity leave, then, I, I can, I, I will get results done. I'm not gonna let us not grow. I accept that that is my, the opportunity and the onus that I have to carry as wanting to be executive director um, while I was um, having you know, my first baby. And I think it was interesting at the time Deloitte had just passed a, a policy to give like four months of paid maternity leave. And it was like, I don't even want that right now. It's like, I wanted to be in it and because it was, um, exciting. We do training rides on the weekend. And I remember taking Quinn, that was its our daughter, to the first training ride when she was like five weeks old. And it was like, that was my family. And like, I just had to figure out how to um, get outcome, the outcomes that I needed to run the business and to keep the team engaged and happy. And so how, I think your ultimate question was, I'm kind of rambling here, of, um, you know, how did I share that with the board and what did it look like? And I remember just coming with a plan and it wasn't just like, oh, I'm pregnant and I expect to take three months off, like good luck. It was, 
I'm pregnant. I'm due in June. It's five months out from the event. Um, here's my, I'm asking for four weeks of um, paid maternity leave. I'll answer email and I'll be accessible during that time. I'll come back for key meetings. I'll start transitioning back after that. And um, it was fine. I mean, I remember one of my colleagues coming to my house to meet the baby um, after I think like five days, maybe seven days. And she was like sitting on the floor in the nursery and we were just talking a little bit about work, a little bit about the baby. And, um, and I answered any questions that I needed to that time. And it was, it, I don't remember it as being stressful and I, I have no regret about um, how it went down and the amount of time I was able to take off. I love that. Thank you for sharing. If you guys could see me, I have like the biggest smile on my face. I think I was clapping in the background. I would be punching <laughs> the air. Um, what a, a masterful and dedicated way to, um, you know, your family, your company, your commitments to handle that, that whole thing. I think this is another um, item you and I share in common is, is navigating maternity leave when you're in a, um, a very busy job and also have really big goals. And um, I think what you really highlighted there was first thing is, is have a plan. Um, you went in and, and were able to, to present something results driven, which when you work for a company, um, that's what they're looking for is, is what are the results? What are you working towards? And um, I think, you know, obviously you were successful when you, when you made that presentation and um, have uh, a beautiful daughter and um, who I'm sure enjoys being around uh, the training group and the cycling and your events um, because she sees that joy come through from, from her mother. So um, I just love that. And thank you so much for sharing that with us. So um, I want to also ask you about the biggest hurdle you had to overcome in your career and how you did it. Is there, is there one? Is there, is there more than one? Um, what did those hurdles look like? And then how did you, you overcome those? Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I reflected on this question quite a bit, and I think that my answer is maybe a little atypical or not exactly. Um, I, I don't have one big hurdle in terms of I wanted this promotion and I wasn't able to get it. Or um, I, So I would say the biggest hurdle actually that I've learned to overcome in my career is, like, is myself. And um, figuring out having the confidence and clarity to know what I want and ask for it. And so I think, you know, it's, it's no mystery or secret that um, there are fewer women in leadership in C-suite positions uh, and that typically women get paid less than men. And um, that's been an issue um, and I guess, something that, I, that I'm aware of. And I think for me, um, there have been different transformations within you know, my career at, at Pedal, which has been five years and a, a couple different titles and, um, and asking for that um, maternity leave. I, I had a second kid as well. And so like, what does the second maternity leave look like? And when is the right time to ask for really a justified pay raise? Um, to a board. I mean, it's really the, the opportunity. We don't have a, a, a cookie cutter career plan. There's not um, different pay grades where like if I hit one, you know, level of 
donation to cancer research, I automatically get this. The opportunity is on me to identify what I need and to ask for it. And so I think I've, I've been working on both of those, both clarifying what I need and then having the courage to ask for it. I think with the courage, um, you have to have data and you have to have analytics and a justification for like, what are you asking for and why do you, where is it coming from? Why do you need it? Why, why have you earned it? And so I have asked for different pay raises. Um, I asked for uh, one a couple of years ago that I knew the man in the role ahead of me was being paid and I was not there yet. And that was something that really upset me. And I think that um, the person ahead of me had 20 more years of professional experience and there was reason to look at it that way, of course. Um, and everyone comes into a different position with different negotiation points and different experiences. Um, but that was a big thing for like pride for me that I wanted to get to that level um, because I was demonstrating results that had never been achieved at this organization. And so I outlined that and I pushed for it and I got it. And I, I, you don't rest then. I think you have to keep going and pushing and it's an evolution. And so um, I hope that answers your question. I'm happy to follow up if you have any yeah, no, I, I love that. And I think that addresses some really critical points for women in their careers is how do you earn more? How do you earn the next position? And um, you outlined some key, key pieces here. Confidence, clarity, and courage were your three C's. Um, but along with the courage came that data and analytics point um, where you didn't just make the ask, again, you were prepared and had the presentation and the data points to back up what you were asking for. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Like how, how did you collect those data points? How did you identify what was critical to present in order to make the best case for yourself? Yeah, I will answer that directly. And I think one other piece that I wanted to add is just that, that factored into like the confidence part of this is like almost like conviction to throw a fourth C out there of just, I mentioned that our organization donates 100% of what we raise to cancer research and we do that by underwriting the budget. So every additional dollar that I'm paid, I have to raise from somewhere and I have to feel good and sleep at night knowing that that amount is going, the salary is going to me and our staff that's not going, you know, the to other causes and um, and I have a clear conscience on that. And so to your answer your question specifically, like where do I look for benchmarks that are like reasonable for how four people and, and one the executive director should be paid within a nonprofit. And so I um, had seen a report on Southern California nonprofits. It did a pretty detailed analysis of um, of different nonprofits and, and the variables that they compared were the industry, the size of the budget, the number of employees, the years of experience, um, the years of experience with uh, tenure, I guess, so length of time with that organization. And so um, that was a, a pretty relevant um, analysis, I would, or I guess report that I would say. Even within that, there's nuance. And so, you know, for us, our budget was, um, our budget compared to the number of people we had uh, our budget was pretty big. I think it put us in like the, the middle category, but in terms of staff, we only had four. And I think that was a sticking point where, where I remember hearing feedback of like, well, you're comparing yourself, you know, you guys have far fewer employees. And I was like, well, yeah, well, we have far fewer employees and we're raising a lot more money. So 
um, hopefully that, you know, answers your question. I also just did, I did a lot of reflection of like, what do I feel like is reasonable for me to feel valued and to feel um, motivated and not greedy um, in this position? Solid gold. I mean, that answer is so actionable. Um, we elevated that to four C's, confidence, clarity, courage, and conviction. And then additionally, Anne used research and personal reflection um, to put together the data to present to the board and make the case um, for, um, for a, a greater wage and um, greater title and uh, you were successful. And so um, thank you for sharing that, um, those guidelines and sort of that roadmap on how women can, um, you know, look to prepare those presentations in, in their roles to, um, to earn more and, and climb the ladder. So it's been an awesome conversation and I want to, to end, um, if you could share your favorite quote, um, your favorite mantra, uh, we'd love to hear it. Okay. Um, I hope you'll bear with me. I have two thoughts I have to share. I think the, the first one, this isn't just summed up in a quote, but it's a little bit more just something that describes a common thread throughout my parenting and my profession. I mean, talk about kids, but um, in, in my experience as an athlete, it's just the desire to like pursue excellence and be the best you can and compare yourself to how, who you are and who you were yesterday and who you want to be tomorrow. And so I remember um, when I first did a half Ironman, um, going to this race in Texas and seeing all these super fancy bikes and these like aerodynamic helmets. And I think I was on my, my entry level road bike thinking, oh my gosh. And it was like, stop it right there because you're not comparing yourself to them. You're comparing yourself to, to yourself and your capacity and how much you prepared and trained and are ready for that day and go as hard as you can and evaluate how you did and do better the next time. And I, that is innate to me. And I, I, it has propelled me in every aspect of my life. And um, so I think it's just pursuing excellence and being the best you can. Um, a quote that I really uh, repeat over and over as a mantra is um, a coach that I work with, a business coach, um, shared this with me and it's what you resist persists. And so I think we've all been in those environments where you leave something on the to-do list too long or you're avoiding something and it, you think you're creating um, peace or a space to get away from it by putting it down the to-do list. And really it's just, it's persisting and it starts to drag you down. And these can be little things like sending thank you notes after a birthday party, but it can also be some pretty big things like having a difficult conversation that you don't want to have um, with an employee or someone who works for you. And I think so many times I've, on that. I try not to. I really, really, really try not to, but it happens. And as soon as you do it, it's like everything is lifted and you free up that burden to pour more positive energy into things. So I just, I share that with people. If you're resisting something that's hard, that's okay. That's natural, but embrace it and hold yourself accountable and know that it might not be pleasant. There might be a little bit of um, a challenge to it, but as soon as you do it, it's done and you can focus on something. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for being here with us today. If we want to connect with you more, where can we find you? Oh, that is great. Um, I 
my email. You can do my personal email. It's my, it's A and then my last name, marbarger at gmail.com. I would love for people to connect with me. You can find me on Facebook and not so much a little bit over Instagram and LinkedIn, but look me up, send me a message. Um, this is a great, uh, just such an awesome forum, Emily. I'm really honored to be part of it. I look forward to hearing from other women that you talk to. Um, I've always also personally wanted to find a way to give back to other women, especially in sports and, and kind of people coming out of the college sports arena and transitioning to their professional career. And you're pushing me to like do something about it. Um, so let's keep in touch and let's see what I can, how I can push that boundary and help as well. Yeah, absolutely. And um, one, one last thing, I keep saying one last thing, but how can we support um, cancer research and Padres Pedal the Cause? Awesome question. Um, go to www.gopedal.org. Everybody knows someone who's been touched by cancer. One out of three people are predicted to get diagnosed. Um, it's more of a when, not an if. And there's so many things you can do to make a small donation, participate in one of our virtual atten events, attend a webinar, buy groceries for someone who has cancer right now. Um, thanks so much for that offer. That's really kind and I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Well, thank you so much for sharing um, your time, your talents, your ideas, and your story with us today because leadership is female and you are an example of that. Thank you so much. Wow. Let's hear it for Anne. I told you this was going to be an incredible episode. So let's go over the four key points. Number one, keep in touch. Keep in contact with the people who know you and have the opportunity to open doors for you. Reach out when you don't need anything. Number two, create the opportunity and make the decision to leave the known for the unknown. It's worth it to pursue your passions. Number three, the biggest hurdle is oftentimes yourself. Confidence, clarity, and conviction give you the courage to ask for what you deserve. When pursuing a raise, do the research, outline a proposal, push to make the ask, and go for it. And number four, instead of comparing yourself to others, compare yourself to yourself. How far have you personally come? How have you personally grown? Instead of looking externally, look inward. Today's episode is sponsored by my top 10 myths about being a female leader in sports. To download your own copy of the top 10 myths, please visit my website, emilyjansen.com. I believe that if we approach our careers with intention and dedication, we can do anything. And I want to help you reach your dreams. So go ahead and head over to emilyjansen.com and download yourself a copy of the top 10 myths about being a female leader in sports. Thank you for listening to the Leadership is Female podcast. It means the world to me that you chose to spend your time with this podcast today. If you like this episode, subscribe, share, and review. What can you do today to lead her forward? We will do our part to lead her forward because leadership is female. Thank you for joining us.